When I think of soul music, I think of Stax first, Motown second, simply because I like the raw funk of Stax over the glistening polish of Motown. However, Motown started in 1959 in Detroit, and Memphis's Satellite Records became Stax in 1961. From that point on, there was a battle between northern and southern sectors of soul music that would change the landscape of music during some of the most wrought years of American history for the African-American community. It would give us such talents as Marvin Gaye, Diana Ross, Otis Redding, and Isaac Hayes, which remain every bit as relevant today as they were during the 60s and 70s. Their songs are still splattered over TV and film soundtracks, commercials, and karaoke bars across the nation. If you are not getting the picture, here is the bottom line. These two labels transformed music on every significant level and gave the world a soundtrack during the Civil Rights Movement, Vietnam, and the assassinations of JFK, Martin Luther King Jr., and Malcolm X, to name a few. Today, we will be talking about an album made in 1958, before any of this took place. Yes, this is the debut album of Johnny Nash on the Paramount Music label. We see Nash's entrance onto the scene somewhere between the crooners like Perry Como and Bobby Darin, and the teen anthems of Frankie Avalon and Paul Anka. Over and against the likes of Stax and Motown, Nash's debut has all the musical variation of a sleeve of stale white powdered donuts you can get at any convenience store in the country. This isn't to say there are not any good moments on the album, because Nash's voice ends up elevating the whole affair. But is it soul? This will be addressed, probably, along with our best JFK conspiracy theories as we attempt to keep on topic today while we dig into Johnny Nash's self-titled 1958's debut album on So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Welcome everyone to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. I'm your host, Blake Collier, and my uh, wonderful and sultry uh, co-host, Joe George, is with us. Uh, today we are going to talk about Johnny Nash's debut album from 1958. Uh, it's self-titled because that's what any artist who is just coming on the scene in the 1950s does on their first album uh, because they don't, they don't know what else to do. Uh, so... What we find here is is a collection of 12 songs that fall more in line with the crooners like Sinatra, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., um, Perry Como, who is the most crooning of all the crooners. And I don't know about you, Joe, I'm not sure what to do with this album. Because it's I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that I can tell when one song ends and another begins. They all sound very much similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like the one that's kind of a mid-tempo number with heavy strings about you know a love yeah. lost or a love gained or you know yeah. the one that well, i'm talking uh, about yeah right? it's 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 the one i'm thinking about probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah this album yeah. is rough 
it's I mean, I don't I don't know about you, but I this is this is big time imposter syndrome on my part because I kind of I shouldn't say this on on Mike probably, but I'm like, what I have no way to begin critiquing <laughs> this music. I don't know who it's for. I don't know it seems like it's doing what it's doing well, but I don't understand what it's doing. Like why would you need more than one yeah. of these songs? It's they they they, they strike me as like, because I'm movie critic. I, I they strike me as like if if Judy Garland got up and sang one of these songs, you know, or or this was a musical number in between an Abbott and Costello bit mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Fine, they're great, but divorced of anything outside of the album itself to sort of attach it to. These songs are just, they're yeah. a shrug. Uh, everything's in the right place, but who yeah. cares? No, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like the 50s especially, and it starts probably mid to late 40s, and I'm not, I'm not as, I don't know as much about crooner, the, the crooner period as, as some people probably do. But yeah. uh, what I do know about it is that you you find probably the moment where uh, one of the moments where film and t- or film and radio are are pretty significantly crossing over, uh, because you have okay. people like Bing Crosby, who is a, sure. a film star at this time, and he's doing you know stuff like White Christmas and 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 those yeah, songs yeah. from those from those movies are becoming r- massive radio hits, and so um, yeah, this was just the style of the fifties, and and. Asking asking me why that was the case, I'm not entirely sure, uh, because it's and and I'm and I apologize for any fans of this period uh, for what I'm about to say, but it's flavorless. Um, it totally and, is, and I'm gonna get a lot of flack yeah, for this, but exactly I'm not right. even a fan of Sinatra except for maybe a few songs here and there, uh, because just the style yeah. of of I I, I think. I think it's the the composition of the of the music that is so off putting to me. It it's very str- yeah. string mm-hmm. heavy, which is fine on its own. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of variation from tune to tune. It's it's more of a it's like the music is just the plate on which the same meal gets placed on each time, and so. That's exactly and, right. And yeah. For all the all the people who want to give Nickelback uh, a hard time for basically creating the same song with different lyrics, I think you could look at this time period and see something fairly similar. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're recording this uh, right uh, the end of November. Uh, Thanksgiving's next week. And so already we're starting to hear Christmas music come in. And, and I, I love Christmas music. I am... I, I'm mm-hmm. hardcore into Christmas music, but I think for most people, they listen to Christmas music the way that I got to imagine people listen yeah. to this album, where it's just it's nice and yeah. it's in the background, like they don't, and and it serves that purpose. Like if I were going to have dinner with my grandparent, only one of whom is still alive, mm-hmm. I should say, um, then this would yeah. be fine for on the background, you know, or it it, it was it was soothing relaxing in a way um well i was listening to it uh, this morning again and then earlier in the week and so i i wonder if that was its ultimate purpose is it just it was just supposed to be nice it's just you play it in in you know your shopping mall and 
uh, and, and people just they have a pleasant time. Yeah, I, there's not a world in which I can imagine this being a runaway hit of an album. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think. Or somebody's yeah, favorite really. album. Like, no. can you imagine somebody getting up and being like, this song spoke to yeah, me. exactly. And be like, how? And, and which version of it? Because there's 12 versions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right before you hit record on this, you were like, well, do we have favorite songs and, and at least favorite songs? And how do you, I mean, I do, I, I have, I have one song that I like yeah. better than the rest, but by what, by, I, I don't, I, I, but outside of that one, I can't really tell you which one is worst yeah. because they're kind of all yeah. the same. Yeah. There's, this is, if you were, okay, put yourself in, in 1957, 58, if you picked up this okay. album and you listened to it, let's just assume that we're going to like it more than we do now being in that sure, time period of course um yeah are you going to look at this guy and say you know what this guy's gonna end up going somewhere and he's gonna be involving reggae and synth yeah and psychedelia into his music <laughs> like, yeah no 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 because if i'm picking up this record in 1958 i am I gotta believe I'm a white dude who, I mean, yeah. I am a white dude, but I'm also going to be a white dude in 58 who is like, this is, this is next to my, I'm gonna put this next to my yeah. Terry Como record and my Glenn yeah. Miller show hacks. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, and so, no, I, and that means I don't know what reggae is. I don't know what psychedelia is. I, I have no idea what any of these things are. I am the man in the gray yep. flannel suit right now, and that's, so no, oh no, I have no idea that that sort of stuff is coming, um, and and no, certainly not. And you know, I'm <laughs> this character. I'm really enjoying this character <laughs> I've just invented for myself. 1958 <laughs> is also probably super oh, yeah. racist, and so <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit you know I'm listening to to Johnny Nash as one of the yeah. good ones. Yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean, yeah. like that. You know, also a little suspicious. So. I'm also when he becomes, you know, a reggae singer, even though his songs are, I don't mean this disparagingly, but even his experimental stuff and reggae stuff, it's all kind of fairly innocuous. As, as we yeah. touched on this in the intro episode, you know, he's not a revolutionary politically um, in his music at any rate. Um, and so there's nothing to scare yeah. 1958 me. But 1958 me is a little suspicious and then scared. And I'm going to say, I well, told you so. When, when you're picking up the record and you're guy. seeing so, a black man on the cover, you're automatically a little off-put. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. 1958 <laughs> me totally is. And so I got to wonder, like, is he the – is he the – I don't know. I don't – you know, I'm just – I'm going to give me my okay. first digression here. We should we should have okay. digression Sounds counters good. here. So um, I just watched the uh, doc, uh, not Netflix documentary, The Black Godfather. Do, so do you I've know this one? It, but I don't know anything about it. I know yeah. you're a Bill Withers guy. He figures oh, okay. kind of heavily Good. into it. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, oh, shoot, I'm totally blanking on the subject <laughs> of the documentary's <laughs> name. This is awesome. It's you know what? It came in a pile of screeners. I've been powering through no, screeners. Totally um, and they're all running. <laughs> they're totally, okay. Anyway, you guys have Google. If you're listening to this, you Google it. Okay, I don't need to do your work for you. Anyway, the point that I'm getting at is there's a scene from in a um, a civil rights uh, concert that the the subject of the documentary is is central. Clarence, uh, okay. Clarence, how you got? 
Gotcha. Uh, that's his name. Um, and it, he's he puts together this doc, uh, this this um, concert that is a you know civil rights mm-hmm. soul uh, uh, concert. And one of the most interesting scenes is when Sammy Davis Jr. gets up there and he is roundly booed yep. by the audience um, for buddying yep. up with Nixon for um, just you know being pretty contrary yep. <laughs> to to what most of the people there are for. And, uh, you know, and he, and he, he sings, uh, my way and he kills it and it's, it's a moving yeah. moment. Um, but you, you kind of got to wonder, this is in my head, if Johnny Nash kind of isn't in that same space yeah. in some way, uh, you know, that, that, that for white people, he is one of the good ones. Like I said, like he, he kind of sits there and they don't know the depth of the artist that they have yeah. on their hands with him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so weird because, uh, like you said, with, with Sammy Davis jr. Uh, that, that is actually that, uh, ideas or that concert is covered. in uh, I believe it's revisionist history of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast at one point. And he talks about mm, kind of okay. the misunderstanding of Sammy Davis jr. As a, as a person. Um, which is really mm-hmm. fascinating because he that plays a central part in that in that podcast episode uh, is that concert and mm-hmm. how he was uh, booed by the community that he was a part of and so he wasn't accepted by either side fully and and so yeah and yeah you kind of wonder like if you take away the fame if you take away the pool the political and the social pool that Sammy Davis Jr. had yeah if you take away yeah. any connections. Uh, that Sammy Davis Jr. had, if you take away uh, the, I'm not going to say talent, because I actually think Nash is a better singer than Sammy Davis Jr. is. Um, But Mm. I think if you pull away all the things that kind of made Sammy Davis Jr. uh, Sammy Davis Jr., you probably have a Johnny Nash. He's just not, he's not known. Mm. He's not a, uh, he's not connected. He's not, he doesn't. He doesn't have any political or social credit. Uh, he's just coming on the stage yeah. doing what he likes to do, uh, what he was taught to do. And and part of me wonders, like here's so he he got to start um, with his Baptist church in Houston. Yes. And I can. I've been to uh, black churches before, and they sound nothing like this music. And so. This yeah. leads me to the question is what made him go this direction? Is this the one instance where he actually follows a trend? Here's a legitimate question uh, that I, I, I do not know is, is this basically all that's available at the time? I mean, is this what it meant to be to have a recording contract in 1958 or was I'm so ignorant was soul music a thing uh, at the time? But like being recorded before outside of like yeah. the crossways, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. record, you know, folk now, and blues I, collections. So, so I think, I think you, you, this is what would like soul quote unquote was anything that was sung in the style by black people, uh, at least yeah. on the mainstream stage. Um, I'm sure there were yeah. underground acts that, that shifted and, and actually were doing something completely different, but they're just not as known. And so, um, right. But I think really where most of the full expression of, of uh, black music and, and black history was in blues 
and that kind of uh, mm-hmm. folk uh, sound that you get from like people like yeah. Robert Johnson and and you know that's yeah, yeah. that's you get bebop you get like uh you know mm, yeah and things like that which is more on the rock side of things uh you're probably not going to get the yeah. people listening to this kind of music on on that bandwagon um and so you you start to see this this kind of drift you know here's what soul is here's what uh kind of the the rockabilly bebop uh direction here and they're split and you have you know, people who like this kind of music, but they're not going to like the other kind. And you're going to pe- get people on the other side who don't like, sure. you know, soul music. And so you don't have as much like weaving back and forth between genres as we do now. Um, gotcha. You, yeah. you, they're a lot more stifled. And, and one of the, uh, one of the interviews I, or one of the pieces I, I read on Nash himself is, the, the distinct difference between American radio and European radio is European radio right. like, plays whatever the, the the biggest hit is. It doesn't matter what the genre is uh, on their stations. Whereas yeah. America has distinct st- genre stations, and so you automatically have audience like audiences that that are not open or not exposed to different types of music uh, because they intentionally choose what music they they can handle or they like, uh, and so that kind of that's there's a stratification there um that happens automatically and so yeah you don't really get much like i I would say that most of the soul you get probably sounds more like crooning uh yeah is is interesting because so that's crooning like i i would say that that 99 percent of american music is is african-american in origin uh so it's it's kind of interesting to see that you know basically how someone like Johnny Nash would come along and, and take on what is at the time considered a white music form, I would say, and, yeah. and do it. And, and it's almost like is the act of him moving from that to other forms or other genres an act of defiance in its own way. Uh, so yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And that's, and that's the tricky space that we're in with this is that because he never sticks to one genre at yeah. any point in his career, we can't really say, is this a legitimate artistic expression on his part or not? Because there isn't, there's no Er Johnny Nash to deal with. And so, I mean, and, and let's maybe talk a little bit more about specifics with the album. Um, I don't like yeah. what he's doing, but I can tell he's yes. doing it well, yeah. right? <laughs> well, and it's his voice. His voice is, is beautiful. It's his voice. I mean, it's it's stunning. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what, yeah. like, I, I probably listened to this album probably three or four times within the last couple of days. Uh, kind of getting yeah. getting back into Johnny Nash uh, mindset for these these recordings and man like as as dull and bland as the music is on this album like it's his voice and the little flourishes that he can do in phrasing yeah. are really stunning and and it's really it's not songs that stand that... out it's moments that stand out. That's exactly right. And and it's same thing for me. It's the phrasing. It's for me, it's yeah. the control mm-hmm. that he has over yeah. his voice, you know, because, because I love his seventies stuff yeah. so much more that, and that's, and that's what I think of when I think of him, you can feel it where he could, he could, uh, belt out or loosen yeah. up here. And it's, it's just, he's controlling his voice, the vibrato, he's controlling the phrasing so much. Um, 
it's impressive yeah. on that level that, like I said, he, he, what he's doing, he's doing really well and, 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 uh, gives it some sort of character, the lack of flavor, yeah. if that's fair. Yeah, so. no. And it's, I also find it fascinating that this was literally the year before Motown started. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and don't think as a native northerner that I'm going to let you slide putting Motown or as a native Michigander, you put Motown second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Stax guy. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. Yeah. Well, that's why you guys lost the war. So, you know, I, I, for, for my intro, I almost put a, put a civil war between Northern and Southern soul. And I was like, eh, better not. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you mean the war of Southern indiscretion. I mean the, the war of Northern aggression. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I literally had never heard that phrase oh, until man. I moved south. That's, so. uh, that's a special one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, I don't remember where we were oh, before no, I interrupted no, no, you. And had to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Right before yeah, Motown yeah. comes and, out. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's it's just really interesting. And, and he doesn't – like, he couldn't have known that, that the, the landscape yeah. was going to shift so significantly but in the very next year. But – it's just it's almost a trick of god that that he is releasing even <laughs> this close to that beginning and and you start to see like even in the next album i i think something is in the air in 1959 um, yes there's there's elements yeah. where um the black community is finally trying to get some of their their culture and their and their creativity back uh from from appropriation uh and so yeah i think while he's sticking to the main crooning aspect, he's he's finding ways to to involve a more um, Afrocentric um, kind of flourishes here and there. Um, but that's for that's yeah. for next time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So as we're heading kind of towards towards that end, I want to. What, what's your favorite track on here? Because you, you hinted that it's different yeah, than so, my favorite track. So mine is actually uh, here. I am uh, here. Am I brokenhearted? Um, and and it's okay. it's not because I love the song as a whole, uh, but whenever yeah. he says, whenever he sings the chorus, uh, and it's two different versions of it. He says, "There she is, my old gal. There he is, my old pal. And here I am, brokenhearted." And then second time he says. There they go in their joy, happy girl, lucky boy, and here I am, brokenhearted. There's a lilt in his voice on on the pronunciation yeah. of those lyrics, and it gets me every time. Like yeah. it stops me dead in my tracks. Like I would, I was basically yeah. just listening, not paying close attention because I was just being wooed by the constant <laughs> barrage of orchestration that st- sounds the same song, yep. song. And then I'll hear these moments where his voice just comes alive and those are the moments that yeah. i love in this album uh those are the moments i can kind of grab onto and appreciate yep. from from nash so what about yours yeah yep uh the only song that stands out to me really is yeah. my foolish heart and kind of for yeah. the same reason um because there's there's a little bit of him loosening up and then he pulls back especially there's a, as the the chorus starts to crescendo a little bit you can feel him opening up and and and, and so, elongating some of those vowels a little bit and then he pulls back in again and i kind of work think that works mm-hmm. thematically for the song for that sort of yeah. embarrassment <laughs> almost uh that he's he, he can't let himself go too much into this character and i gotta say in that one there's 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 a nice string mm-hmm. solo uh, towards the end, the, the strings kind of drop into this counter melody at certain points there. And, um, 
Yeah, there's a the, the strings do a nice counter melody. Uh, surprisingly, in that one, that's the only one where I think the arrangement has anything interesting. And there's you know there's a nice solo towards the end of uh, the strings that at least yeah. is interesting. Um, it's it's not. I'm kind of like with you where. It's 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 never a track I'm going to go back to ever in yeah. my life ever. I don't expect. Um, but it was the one that while I was doing other things while listening to this, I sat up and thought, "Ooh, yeah, you know that's." And that's yeah. I really feel like that's that's about all we can ask for this first album is is moments. And that's exactly right. And I think those moments stand out for a reason. I think there's 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 a talent there that's that's waiting to be kind of discovered and and developed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's a first to, tr- to transcend exactly. the label exactly. that he's because in. Because Paramount <laughs> right is at the height yeah. of the, you know your mainstream. This is mainstream tripe that they're going to put out largely uh, yeah. at this time, and so um, yeah, it's 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 largely bland as an album. But I mean, yeah. let's count on how many fingers the times when a band or an artist actually has a uh, a stunning first album. Eh, not very often. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I hear people yelling yeah. at us, <laughs> assuming oh, there, no, there, we have there listeners. Are some. I hear there them yelling some, at us. But but... Within the scope of the history of music, I would say that they're in the minority. <laughs> so... Okay. Yeah, yeah, usually, yeah. And he exactly. goes on. So yeah. this isn't, he's not a one record yeah. wonder, so. And thank so, goodness uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much more we can say about this. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, you know what, though? No, I'm not sorry. If you listen to the record, you would be sitting here thinking, how are you going to say anything about this? This one's hard to find, and I don't recommend you so, find it. So, so one one quick question. You can give me yes or no uh, yes. To, to end the episode. Is this soul music? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I am the whitest white guy you know. I don't know how to answer that question. I could tap my foot to it, so that probably means a strong <laughs> yeah. no, right? <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm actually gonna concur with that answer. I think that's a good answer because <laughs> I too can tap my foot to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> I could play it around my racist grandparents, and they would like it. Beautiful. How's that? I think that's that's the telltale sign that it's not soul music. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's that's everything for So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Uh, we thank you for uh, joining us as we talked about uh, Johnny Nash's debut album uh, from 1958. And we will see you next month as we go further into his discography with his gospel album, The Quiet Hour. Uh, we'll see you then. And remember, this podcast is us breathing. Thank you for listening. After a little snafu, we finally have our podcast up on Apple Podcasts, so go over there and give us a rating and review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Jans. You can find his music and other projects at jansofficial.com. Our podcast intro music was Strange Feeling by Crowander. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Wyrick. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SoGrossPod, and on Twitter and Instagram at SoGrossPod as well. And you can find Blake on Twitter at LostInOsmosis, and Joe at J.A. George II, spelled I-I. 
<laughs> bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>